Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B Mac and Baker. Skull, 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 and skull again. This is Believe in Vikings with B Mac and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney, joined by Sally from Minneapolis and Ron from Eden Prairie, the usual group. Uh, tonight we have a guest. It's our first head coach guest, and that would be Mike Tice. He's joining us on the first day of training camp to go through some Vikings item past and present. So he'll join us in about two minutes. But first, we must talk about uh, betonline.ag. July is uh, winding down, and it's a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, betonline is where you should go to win money today. Uh, with NBA Finals in the rear view and Major League Baseball into its second act. There's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there are tons of futures and prop bets that you can wager on as well. Uh, for basketball right now, the U.S. men's Olympic team is negative uh, 300 for the money line. So if you think they can indeed pull it off and you want some safe money, go gamble on the American men. Bet Online has the latest odds, news information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, uh, Mike Tice, thanks for joining the show tonight. I asked this of all of our Vikings guests, just so I can kind of uh, set the table. Um, how closely do you follow these versions of the Vikings, the 2020 or the 2021 Vikings? You know, um, I have really followed them closely up until this offseason. Uh and I really haven't paid much attention. I, I picked up the draft a little bit. I won't get started really until training camp starts because honestly, I've been working really hard on my uh, my foundation. We have two char- three charity events in the last. Well, we have one last week. We got one this weekend, and we have one two weeks after that. So mm. I've been really focused on that. And uh, okay, my wife Diane is asking me, Big Mac, am I crazy? I thought I was. She thought I was retired. <laughs> I haven't really delved into it. You know, I, I started looking at some stuff the other day on how teams did in free agency, making sure I know where all the moves were. Because I'm going to do, uh, I do, I mess around with a little podcast, but it's not just for mm-hmm. friends. And I was going to do my son, Nate, who has a very successful podcast on The Athletic uh, with uh, Robert Mays. Is I, uh, he told me I should do the top five offensive lines in the National Football League with film to back it up. And I said, you know, that's a good project. That is. So once I start doing that and start peeking that film again, Big Mac, then uh, then I'll probably know guys a little bit more how I feel about the Vikings. But 
let me say this. They're going to get some guys. They get Daniel Hunter back from that neck injury. That's going to be big for them. They get the linebacker back. That's big for them. Made a couple moves in free agency. They lost a tackle that shouldn't have been playing left tackle anyway. You know a big back. He's not a left tackle. Uh, right. I remember I remember grading him when he was coming out. Good kid out of Iowa. They drafted a kid, local kid here out of University of Boise, Boise State, or University of Boise, or Boise State, whatever they call it. Uh, but he's a local kid here from local high school in, in Washington State. I'm in Seattle. And uh, I'm just – getting to the point of I'm just worried still about that offensive line. And then Rick Dennison, you know, gets let go because he wouldn't take the COVID shot or didn't he not let go or what? And now he's a consultant. I'm sure that was because of lawsuit. Poof, <laughs> uh, you're a consultant. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what those guys do up front. That's the, uh, it's a perfect segue, sir. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so Dennison gets moved to this special assistant role. Um, we'll see what that actually is, but the promotion goes to Phil Rauscher who entered his seventh year as a coach. And this will be kind of his first big gig. So, um, I, am curious if you could share some insight is the promotion of an assistant. Usually, um, do they maintain continuity or do they typically bring fresh ideas to the scheme? Well, I think a couple things going there, uh, from my experiences in those meetings, you now promote the guy that maybe had deserved it before. And who knows? I don't know. I'm not in the meetings. I'm not in the building. I don't watch and see. Maybe he's deserved it before. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe it's a good thing. I don't really know his background that much. I know Rick uh, really well. Um, but they're keeping the guy that was his boss in the building. So how much of flexibility is he going to have to – do you know some of his own things big mac i mean is he going to have that flexibility to do some of his own things or is he still going to be under the guidance of uh of rick brian how, brian how do you see that if you you know were heading into camp either as a rookie or a veteran maybe for your sake a veteran for this question and boom boom the guy in charge is going to have a reduced role whereas the assistant is now the head honcho would that be awkward or what it really kind of depends on um, what you thought of the assistant prior to going into that season. And if you had kind of faith in him then, then you might be happy. But if, if you was kind of unsure of him, you kind of, kind of, just kind of go with the flow through training camp to see what you kind of felt in personally. Okay. Uh, Sally, uh, you, you are a Mike Tice enthusiast and you always have been. What do you have yes, for Mike Tice tonight? I, Mike Tice, I love you. You're, you're my favorite human. Um, so really cool to talk to you. Uh, so uh, first you brought up your charity. What, what um, does your charity focus on? We do, uh, we raise money for, we do, I did a golf tournament last week that I've done. It's our 10th year down in Minden, Nevada. My buddy owns the hotel and the small casino. We've been doing it down there for years. Big Mac, I had Todd Stussy in as a guest. I had Rod Woodson in. And uh, Brian uh, Cox is one of my dear friends. Brian Cox comes every year. It's not a celebrity deal. It's a charity deal. So we've been doing that for 10 years. We were lucky to raise 167000 bucks for the Boys and Girls Club down there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And so then this, this one I'm having this weekend, our local high school uh, did not pass the budget. So they hit me up. Uh, last year, I bought Diane and I, my wife Diane and I bought the uh, football jerseys for the football team. But they have other sports that need uniforms. So we put together this little youth clinic free to the kids, but we got a couple sponsors. And it looks like we're going to be able to raise about 
five thousand dollars for the, the for the booster club to help the sports out in our local community. That's like ten minutes from my house. Okay. And then the following week, my son Nate gets married, Big Mac in Vegas. Oh, Nate! I, yeah, I remember yeah. Nate's a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, when you guys they take them to the goalposts and stuff. Yeah, Nate, <laughs> yeah. Nate, uh, Nate get married, and uh, and then after that, I have my first, my second celebrity tournament where we got a great list of celebrities. Steve Jordan's coming in. I got Norm Turner coming in. Chuck Pagano, Dirk Cutter. Oh, yeah. You know, a bunch of old Seahawks. Tell uh, Chuck Steve I said what's up. Huh? Chuck was my coach down in University of Miami, so tell Chuck I said hello. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Chuck's a good man. I like yeah, Chuck. He is. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. A lot of guys are bringing their wives. And it's going to be a great deal. You know, uh, we got Walter Jones is coming in. So we got a lot of good guys coming in. And and uh, hopefully we raise that much money. It's the first year. And uh, it's going okay. I need to sell more forces, but I still got three weeks. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it sounds like you need to get BMAC down there. Yeah, a little right? social butterfly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so, what I need. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So Vikings officially started camp today. And so a theme on um, the show the last couple of weeks is we've been talking about um, past training camp memories, Mankato memories. Uh, Kevin Williams was on recently and he talked a little bit about um, the pranks that he was playing on guys and stuff. So, um, I was just hoping you could share um, some things that stand out to you from your time in Mankato. Um, who was a troublemaker? Nate Burleson mentioned that you busted him for uh, staying out past curfew when he never had done it before. Um, so, yeah, we've heard a lot of funny things about that. So I just want your perspective. Well, I'm going to give you a couple stories. Right? So the, the, first story, the first story has to do with curfew. And I learned this trick from Chuck Knox because he got me on it when I played for him in the 80s with the Seahawks. So I knew because we had a camera by the back door, dudes were leaving after curfew. And I, and I didn't care because they were practicing well. And it wasn't going to make that big a deal about it. But then I had a player that snuck out that shouldn't have snuck out because he was borderline, you know, going to make the team. Mm-hmm. So to make an example of him, I pulled up a couple of the players, and I won't name any names. I won't name any names. And I said, come to my, come to my room. I want to talk to you. And I said, well, I got video of uh, you leaving the uh, building at 11.07 or whatever time. I did that to three guys. Well, we didn't really have any video. (laughs) So all three guys said, oh, that's me. How much is the fine, coach? So I got three guys that did not have any film on that ratted themselves (laughs) out. Because Chuck Knox played the same trick on me, and I ratted myself out back in the 80s for sneaking out of the <laughs> and, uh, and the other one, my favorite, I don't know if you were there for this Big Mac. I think you were. So it was it was warm, and the guys needed a day off. And uh, were you there, Mac, when I used to take the guys in the pool? We went to the pool, and we went uh, pinballing one time, too. Okay. All right. So remember this? So we went out to stretch, and I had gone out the night before with the, uh, the grounds crew. And I said, show me where all the sprinkler heads are. Turn the sprinklers on. Because I know where Randy Moss stands doing stretching. And I want to set up stretching on the field where he stands. <laughs> and I was going to have them. Were you there on the team when I did that? I and, I turned so. the, and I turned the sprinklers on and Randy got soaked. And he started yelling. I said, ah, you know what? Forget about practice. Let's all go to the pool. And everybody <laughs> right. started screaming and everything. You remember that? That, I that told him that we had days like that during training camp. It'd be a day where you didn't know what was coming. That you end up having an off day. 
Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was, it was. We had a lot of fun down in Man Cave. I like Man Cave. The subtle karma for Randy for uh, his rookie year when he squirted the ref with the water bottle. So get him back with a little bit of water on your own. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so Coach Tice, um, you know, you obviously, um, your track record early on with the Vikings um, kind of speaks for itself. Like you were had offensive lines that were dominant, um, you know, all throughout. You mentioned Todd Stuasey, you know, Jeff Christie, obviously Randall McDaniel, I'm sure made your job easy. Um, but what is it from your experience that, um, makes for a great O-line coach. Like what are some key characteristics that, um, that not only that you have, but that you see that help other guys kind of be at that level? Well, the offensive line to me is probably the tightest group on the team. Uh, you know, they're in the trenches, they're hand to hand combat, 60 plays a game, 70 plays a game. They're out there fighting. I mean, they're boxers, you know, they're out there U- UFC fighting and stuff. So they're close, you know, and so I I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that a coach needs to understand is the personalities of your group and also what guys are good at and what guys need improvement at or what things guys can't do. And then instead of coaching that group, and that's why I started with a group, it's a group, but you don't really want to coach them as a group. You want to make sure that you're tweaking guys that best helps their athletic ability. Now, blessed I was because Danny allowed me, and and I made sure when I was a head coach, we drafted guys that were big, smart, and athletic. You got one on the show with us today. And so... Uh, Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about you. I was... <laughs> so uh, so that's, that's important. It's important not to treat them all like uh, square pegs, and putting them all in the square holes because some of those holes that they put in the square peg and around. Well, this brand of the Vikings uh, has a reputation for doing that, you know, kind of, you alluded to it with Riley Reef. So I think there's credence to what you're saying. Uh, You coached the Vikings when, during an era for the Vikings where they emphasized offense, offense, and more offense. And then over the past decade with Leslie Frazier and then Mike Zimmer, we've pivoted towards defense and we're not, you know, shy to admit it uh, per Zimmer. Do you think when the Vikings eventually move on for Zimmer, I mean, um, it'll happen in the next decade. Do you think the pendulum will swing back where the Vikings go with an offense coach in this offense era, or is it too tough to say? That's not a question that I think I can answer. I, you know, I'm not the general manager and I certainly don't sit in on any of those meetings and I know they're not bringing my cell phone telling me what, or asking me what I think. So I don't know. And I think Mike is a hell of a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some injury problems. You had some COVID things. Uh, You probably had a little, like every team does. You probably had some personality things going on in the locker room. Uh, You know, you're building your team, you're building your team, you're building your team. And and that's what you're trying to do. If he can put a team together and keep them healthy, I'm anxious to see uh, how they fare. But I'm always going to get back to the same doggone thing. I want to see how those dudes do up front. I want to see what they can do when it's time to drop back and throw and everybody watching on TV and in the stands know it's time to throw and you got to throw. So everyone knows. I want to see how they handle that because over the past two years that I've been really focusing in on them, they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, they were particularly snake bitten in that way in close games last year. The Titans game comes to mind at home. Um, They had a reasonable shot to author a game winning drive. But because to your point, everybody knew they were going to throw. They just reared back and, you know, 
just the pores open. They could just come in and they got to Cousins on all four throws. It was it was sad. Uh, Sally, what do you got next? I wasn't going to bring this up this early, but Mike kind of brought it up um, by talking about the type of guys that he drafted. And as we know, he drafted Bryant uh, seventh overall. And then so I want to know, Mike, if you can touch a little bit on how did that 98 day holdout affect you since it was a front office thing and a Bryant thing? How do you deal with that um, uncertainty and still, you know, try to work on the offensive line when you don't necessarily know when or if Bryant is coming in? And don't forget, since we're live, <laughs> I drafted Kevin Williams and they booed me. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Now, now, now are you allowed to curse on the show? Yeah, and that, and now they put them on the on the in the effing ring of honor, and they booed me when I drafted them. So right. I, I think you definitely hit it out of the ballpark with that one. I also so. drafted <laughs> Nate Burleson in the third round. You remember that one too, right? Nate yeah. Burleson, yep. everyone knows who he is. And I also drafted EJ um, Henderson out of the University of yeah. Maryland. Uh, alma mater. <laughs> we, Scott Studwell and Frankie Gilliam both deserve all the credit. I know Scotty just re retired, and Scotty was actually coming out to play in my event, and then he had a death in the family, and so, uh, you know, God bless him. But uh, he and Frank Gilliam and his staff did a great job for us, bringing in great players. And and Brian holding out, that hurt us. You know, that hurt us. Um, it, was, it was a slow getting him going and getting him uh, up to speed. Uh, you know, getting him up to football shape. Uh, but, you know, he's had, he had a great career for us and he was able, it was nice to have a guy once he got rolling that I didn't have to chip help on. I didn't have to slide the line. Hey, you know, you're out there on the island. We know you like the islands. You know, we know you like Miami. Get out there on the island and block their best guy. <laughs> and, uh, and he did a great job for us. What a, what a great job. And as Brian's Thanks. mentioned on the show, he, he never had a backup. So uh, all yeah. the trust in the world to let him uh, go out there and, and succeed. Really um, and then also another feather in your cap, um, the, your alma mater of Maryland, when you brought in Sean Hill, um, obviously as a backup, like he had a long and, um, you know, he's a very good backup for a long time. So kudos to you on, uh, on that find as well. Um, so I have a question more so kind of relating to, um, I know you've mentioned that you haven't followed necessarily like this off season and kind of what's transpired from teams. But um, again, based on your experience um, with developing a young offensive line, the Vikings have put a lot of draft capital in their offensive line over the past few years. Um, and again, it could be the, square pegs and round hole situation, but how do you go about maximizing the potential at each of those spots when there is so much draft capital uh, wrapped up into, in, into that line? Well, this is, I've always said this and I know Brian's heard me say, and if he hasn't, he wasn't listening, but there's a, there's a number of different ways you can get your team better. All right. You can bring in free agents and have instant talent. You can draft really well and bring talent in. And you can improve the players that you have on your roster. Those are the three ways that I know the best to improve your football team. And improving the players on the roster is where the Vikings have chosen to go. When they're bringing these young players in, they're, they're deciding that we're going to develop these players and make them the core of our offense. So I'm very anxious to see, you know, where they go with it. And they drafted a couple of nice kids. I like the kid they drafted out of Boise last year. I was surprised that, that during the season they didn't, you know, start him a little bit. But we'll see. Ezra, uh, Ezra was his first. What's his last name? That kid, Cleveland. 
Yeah, Ezra Cleveland. Yeah, nice, nice pickup. Athletic kids. So I think they have some talent in that group. I'm just anxious to see how they develop it. Again, that comes down to coaching. What about uh, the notion that Cleveland played left tackle in college, and now we're going to play him at guard? Do you take have any beef with that, or not necessarily? I, you know, I really don't. I really felt like he was either a right tackle or an inside guy when he was coming out. Okay, um, he's athletic, but I don't know that he's and and Brian, you know, could speak to this too. Is I don't know if he's stout enough, and I don't know if he has long enough arms. Uh, to be out there on that island. Uh, so, you know, they do do a lot of play action, which, you know, gives them the ability to jump the player in front of them. Jump, what I mean is short set them, get on them real quick yeah. because you got that play action from that good back coming at you. So there's ways to protect players and, and you know, help them grow and help them gain confidence. But at the end of the day, they, got, they all got to be able to pass protect one-on-one. So Brian and I have been doing this show since uh, last August, and at any opportunity he gets, he shower, showers praise on you and calls uh, calls you his favorite coach. So I want to know, uh, kind of a, as a matter of reciprocity, was he usually was McKinney usually a treat to work with, or was he a pain in the ass at times? He, he wasn't a, ever. Let me say this, <laughs> and I'm saying this in a loving way. He was never a pain in the ass when he got in the building. <laughs> 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 there were a couple of times and he'll vouch for this that I did reach out to his mom yeah. and to talk to his mom Shelly? Yes, she came on I the did. show she came on the show about two months ago is she, adult? is she unbelievably beautiful and, and a wonderful oh woman? yeah we want to have her back and I was like dead serious so we're going to try to have her back right, Brian? Brian am I right or what no he definitely he definitely yeah. wanted to call my mom yeah see <laughs> People don't know that. See, we don't tell those kind of stories, but I got the hand on the show. So. Bryant, yeah. what were you doing that Shelly had to be involved? I don't remember. I'm old. I'm 62. I've been hitting the hand a lot, you know? Oh, no. Uh, well, BMAC, B- um, you've talked about Tice as your favorite coach. Um so it's some other player that came on too. Remember? Yeah, I think oh, everyone everybody. who had, yeah, Randy Moss, Burleson, Kevin Williams. <laughs> yeah, we we've had pretty much the who's who of the Vikings when McKinney played. Uh, so Brian, what what stood Tice apart from the other coaches that? I mean, personally, for me, one he drafted me, but two, mm-hmm. I remember one year um, he's our head coach, but he pulled me into a meeting. He pulled me into the room by myself and was like, "Listen, if you do this and make your job easy, like he showed me shortcuts on." Things that get things blocked, but it might not look pretty, but just get it done. And I was like, dang, that just showing me that made a big difference. I'm like, <laughs> he's the head coach, but he took time to do that with me and show me like key little things just one-on-one in uh in the film room. And I was that meant a lot to me because it actually allowed me to change some things and I started to feel like it made me a better player. So, Coach, I always wonder that, too. Like, I know you, like when you got your coaching start here, um, obviously, you look at some of the coaches in today's era, and they're deemed these player coaches. And I know that that was kind of the mox, or the aura that followed you around. And do you think that if you had your coaching start kind of in this era where not necessarily, I'm not saying coddling players at all, but the ones where players are buying in and, you know, like have that mutual respect and it's not just a, like, you know, Brad Childers, we've talked about him on the show numerous times where it's a headmaster leading students. But do you think that, um, that you're, you're built for this era? Cause I've always got that sense in your coaching style. 
Well, you know, what the era that you're built for is the era that you uh, garner and gain respect from the players. And I always felt that you gain respect from the players being honest with the players and making sure you don't treat them like some kind of tool. You know, uh, just like yesterday, one of the first things I said to Brian is, how's your mom doing? I mean, treat them like they're people. Right. And, and I think that's easy to do with the younger kids, like my son's age, Nate's age, 32, uh, and the younger kids in their late 20s, it's easier when you treat them with respect and, and talk to them on their level. I don't know that I could uh, last very long with a guy that doesn't want to be corrected, though. And so <laughs> uh, some of these young guys just don't like being – I mean, we all don't like getting corrected. We No one likes being told they're wrong. And I always tried to use a style where I would correct them, and then right after I corrected them, I would tell them something good I saw. So that last thing he remembers was me telling him something good. He doesn't even remember. I mean, he remembers, but he's not focused on the player that I just corrected him, you know. Uh, but later in my career, when I was with the Rays at the end, there were some problems, and it wasn't in the old line room. There were some problems with players that just didn't want uh, to be coached or they didn't want advice. And would actually, that actually – Huh? I've seen What's that, too, that? in my career, too, with some of the players. Yeah, and what they would say to me, actually, was because I was, you know, Jack's right-hand man, so I felt like I could coach the offensive guys. And there were players that uh, would come to me after and say, man, I can't believe you dissed me in front of my guys. I can't believe you called me out in front of my my guys, my players, my team. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm trying to help you be great. I'm not picking on you. I'm not trying to help you be great. And the problem is that that's the way society is now. That's the way the kids are now. And so you feel like they're more sensitive? <laughs> huh? You feel like they're more sensitive? Yes, very sensitive. Right. Well, I think it goes to show, because like I said, whether it's Randy Moss, Burleson, Kevin Williams, some of the greatest to ever put on the Vikings uniform, they've had nothing but great things to say about you. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we get a chance to kind of hear it from your side. Um, any thoughts now about getting back into coaching or are you um, kind of, is that, has that uh, ship sailed for you and you're on the next thing? I am on social security and I am taking my retirement from coaching and playing. Uh, but I will say this: there are a couple guys out there that are friends of mine that if they got head jobs, I would certainly at minimum come help them in any uh, role that they ask me to help. Uh, certainly I would hope that it wouldn't be a full-time online job. I don't know that I want to work 80 hours a week. Anymore. In that Rick Dennison role as the consultant. <laughs> but I would love that if, if a couple of my guys get head jobs and a couple of them I think have a shot the next couple, two, three years, I would certainly uh, be right there for them because first off, they're friends. Mm -hmm. And second of all, they're either guys that I help develop or they're guys that I played with and coached with or coached for. Um, if they get head jobs, without a doubt, they ask me to have a role. I would, I would, I would certainly entertain it. You know, now if it came down to Diane, Diane would say the first thing that would come to her would be, "What city is it in?" <laughs> we've, we've had a couple Vegas. Towns. You're a gambling man, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. We had a couple of we had a couple of stops that we didn't like too much. So yeah, what was Diane's that. favorite? Uh, favorite favorite well, city, yeah. Obviously, Seattle. We retired in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, we uh, we did ten years here with the Seahawks, and you know, we fell in love with the place, and we really never left. We've always maintained a home here. Um, our second favorite was Chicago. I, uh, my Minnesota guys are going to be mad at me. 
Yeah, we are. It's a great city. (laughs) It's a great city. And then, of course, Minnesota. You know, Minnesota, Minnesota, Chicago are the same. But the the thing about Chicago, it's it's a big city. You know, it's a big town. You know, it's the second city. So we really enjoyed our time there with Lovey, and we really felt bad that you know Lovey, we felt got screwed going ten and six, and you know I'm, I'm sure I was a part of it. I was the offensive coordinator. We went ten and six, and uh, they let him go. So of course they let us all go. But that was a tough deal because they haven't really done anything since Lovey got fired. Mm-mm. Well, speaking of getting screwed, you got screwed <laughs> when you got let go in 2005. Um, do you think that the Wilfs? coming in as the new owners would have wanted to make hire their guy, regardless of really how things went. Well, you know, we had a rough, we had a rough off season, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> we had a, a, bad, a severe injury to, you know, the Super Bowl ticket thing, whatever it was, it was, you know, certainly I know that the fine was dropped. So that is what that is. Uh, the other part is, you know, we had the issue during the bye weekend uh, mm-hmm. that, that didn't help things any. We've but, talked you know, about it. We can talk you about know, it. <laughs> you know, when we, came, when we came back and won all those games in a row and just missed that playoffs in the second to last game when Pittsburgh beat us, where my man Brad Johnson made a couple of uncharacteristic mistakes in the red zone. You know, we beat the snot bubbles out of uh, Chicago in the last game, and they went on to you know do, go deep into the playoffs. Uh, I was hoping that we'd get a better chance because we were putting together one hell of a defense. You know, we had a nice offense already, but we were putting together one hell of a defense. So I was hoping we would get one more shot at it. But, yeah, that's their prerogative. They own the team. They want to bring their own guy in. They want to, you know, change the culture. I hate that change the culture thing. But I well, we didn't care it. for it. Huh? <laughs> we, didn't care. we didn't care for the person they brought in. Well, and yeah, so I want to get your perspective as a coach because Bryant has always talked about how the coach that came in, which none of us were fans of, didn't like whether it was that he didn't want to or that he didn't know, like he didn't refer to Bryant as his real name. He called him what Trey Thompson that you said. He did it and then he, he was doing it to me and Dante. <laughs> and then uh, Dante, Dante was Donovan. Donovan. Like, yeah, like, like, first bro, of you all, know that's not our name. Yeah, no coach coming into a situation doesn't know their star quarterback and like starting players' names. Like, is that something like just an ego play, or I, I guess listen, I, I I know the man and say hi. That's it. So I don't I don't know. I've heard good things about him. I've heard you know I've heard bad things about me. So uh, I think there was a big push to change the culture, and they wanted what they felt was more discipline. I don't think we led the league in penalties at any point when I was a head coach. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm sure. All these stat mongers out there will have that on social media if I'm wrong. But <laughs> I don't think we led the league in penalties. And, you know, to me, that's a sign of an undisciplined team. But uh, it is what it is. You know, men yeah. will be men. Men will be men. And uh, you're going to do better uh, playing with guys that got a little shit in their neck. And I, I'd, I'd rather take those kind of guys and go to war with them than go to war with another type of guy. Yeah. Well, this might be a loaded topic, but um, Red McCombs, obviously there was a lot of issues there with him um, and how he thought that you should um, run the team. So like, how, how does that go when he just like trades Randy Moss in the middle of the night and then sells the team? Were you involved in that um, conversation at all? Or were you just as surprised as he was? Well, we knew something was going to happen. There was financial things out there that, uh, made it uh, 
less viable for the buyer to buy the team. And anytime you're trying to sell anything, I mean, we all know this. If you don't know it, you should know it. If we, anytime you're trying to sell anything and you can lower some of your bills and some of your expenses, what you're trying to sell becomes worth more money. So mm -hmm. he's a businessman, you know, and, and it is what it is. Is it true that you had to use your own money to fix um, Winter Park's air conditioning and heating? Or is that not a rumor? No, but I did use my own money to fly uh, 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 Winfield in. Yeah, I was going to ask you about You got a private jet, right? That's right. That's he right. wouldn't help you buy that or you just wanted him that bad? Uh, well, we won't get into it. All, okay. I know, <laughs> all I know is we signed him. Well, and there you all go. I know, all I know is it took a while to get our money back. Mm. <laughs> well, we got, we got it back. So Kirk Cousins enters year four as the Vikings quarterback, and he's the first quarterback to start four consecutive seasons since our guy Dante Culpepper, who we alluded to a few moments ago. Um, most of the Vikings fans uh, believe that he's capable of leading the team to a Super Bowl, but there's this incessant small portion that yells the loudest that thinks that he ain't it. Uh, do you think Cousins is capable of bringing a Vikings roster to February football? You know, I, I do. And actually, I'm probably a bigger fan of Kirk's than uh, many of the Viking fans, because I, I read some of the stuff on social media. I think he throws a tremendous deep ball. You know, I, I think uh, he's learning to be more poised. Um I don't know what kind of leadership he brings to the table. Uh, I can't say that. I'm not around him in practice. I don't know that it's uh, he would get five stars in leadership. But he has the tools uh, to bring the team to the playoffs and farther maybe if all the other pieces around him and that defense play better, especially if the defense plays better than they played last year because last year was a – definitely not characteristic of a Mike Zimmer defense. I agree. All right. I'm going to go kind of a little off kilter here, but uh, so your son, I know he's, he's around my age. I'm a couple years older than I'm actually, but uh, so my first met, it's weird. My first memory of like real getting into football um, is actually playing Joe Montana's 1994 football. <laughs> and I was always the Vikings and I would always throw to a tight end over the middle that I didn't know his name. Now, as I got older, my dad, when we hired you as the head coach, he was like, you remember that guy you always used to, to beat me up and down the field with. So I remember just running shop with you as my tight end number two and just throwing it to you over the middle in the dotted any or football games. So having your son, you know, with the athletic and everything and growing up in that video game era, did he ever experience any of that type of stuff where, you know, playing video games with his dad on it or kind of trying to repl replicate things that, um, you know, obviously with that, the, or the, 98 non-Vikings with Randy Moss. Did you ever have any fun with that kind of stuff? Oh, my son is a video game fanatic. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember when he was staying with us, when we were coaching the Raiders, because he was on that staff for Jack. And I'm hearing this talking in the room. I'm saying, damn, he's loud on that damn phone. He's playing video games with headphones on. And they're talking to each other playing video games. And so and when we when we moved back into our house, when we retired three years ago, we found a lot of stuff. There's boxes and boxes of Sega and Xbox. And he's got the stuff all over the place. So I'm pretty sure 
at some point he was playing a game and, and his old man was out there blocking. I don't know how many catches. But you, you must have had the mythical Mike Tice because I didn't catch any damn ball. Well, <laughs> you were always left open. So it was like. <laughs> yeah, that's because they knew they were going to throw it to me. <laughs> Being a seven or eight year old that you don't know, no, no players, no numbers. You're watching it. Hey, he's open. I'm going to throw it to him. So now, Brian, Somebody... kind of on the video game part of it, did you ever watch your Madden rating and kind of, uh, I know kids these days now really care about what they're rating and what they're, uh, you know, measurable are did you ever care about any of that? I always would just take a peek at it to see where I was rated at the year. <laughs> you I've agree or disagree? Madden. I've never played Madden in my life. They always kept me like in the 90s, so I was okay with it. <laughs> so you you would peek at it and make sure that it you know fit your standards. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's what we like to hear, B Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, what else yeah. do you have for Bryant or for Mike? Well, um, this reminded me of um, the Aaron Rodgers situation, Mike, when you were talking about respect and um, actually having real conversations um, with your players as a coach. So I'm just wondering if you have any perspective on um, what is going on there. I don't know if you heard um, Aaron's press conference today, but he did um, give a lot of insight into why he has been so disgruntled. And I feel like just from what you've said about the relationships that you have with your players, maybe you could um, see where he's coming from. So what did he say in a nutshell? He basically said that he feels as being a part of the organization for 16 years, that he would like to be um, involved in conversations, um, whether that's with free agents or with maybe um, retaining some guys who had left like Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson, stuff like that, because he does, know the dynamic of the organization. And um, he just says he's never been consulted on any of that, even though he's asked um, several times and he just feels like there is um, a disrespect there. He has the same agent as a lot of the guys. And so he can talk to people in the off season and he works out with them and he offers his perspective on who might be a good fit and they never even listen. They just dismiss it. Um, things like that. Yeah. There's uh, obviously uh, I'm, first of all, my wife, Di, and I are huge Aaron Rodgers fans. We met him, uh, obviously, on the field, but also uh, when we have a box at the Derby, we, he sits behind us up in the, where the players sit, and we get to chat every year, uh, obviously not last year. Um, so we're fans. We, we like Aaron a lot. Um, I just think that uh, there's a disconnect there, I and mean, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like you know, maybe, uh, you know, one of those hate things going on. It's like he's popular. He's more popular than the organization. Mm -hmm. And they don't want him to be the guy that tells them who they should keep or not. So mm -hmm. th there's a problem there. And I think it's a big problem. And uh, we'll see. I mean, what's the – but he's a competitor, you know, and he, he's, he's a great player. He's had a great career, and he can still throw it. I think once the whistle blows and the game starts, uh, you know, he's going to go out and play no matter, you know, how mad he is. As a coach, how would you, would you appreciate um, a guy who wanted to be that involved in decisions or would that kind of annoy you? I would not annoy me at all. No. In fact, I'd be in there asking him what he thought. <laughs> what do you think? Yes. I'll go talk to them for you. I'll go talk to them for you. Yeah, that's what you would think. I mean, I, it's so bizarre to me. But yeah, he was very well spoken today. I feel like he was he explained himself really eloquently and it made a lot of sense. And um, I just don't understand not 
not cherishing that insight. You know, you don't have to listen to everything he says, but at least hear hear him out. You know, I don't. Yeah, I think at least draw him a crumb or something. You know, <laughs> at least pretend you <laughs> oh, care what he has to say. Little, little crumb, like you know, keep one of the guys he wants or something. Bring someone in he wants. Give him a little crumb. Man, you know? The fact that he had a long list of all, like you know, he named off like at least eight or nine players that, like specifically, you know, down to Julius Peppers and Charles Woodson. At like the fact that he had that list, like it was a well thought out. And like where this isn't just something that came up. It's like this has been going on for my entire tenure here. So the thing that. Um, I was interesting. The thing that was refreshing about that press conference is, is that most of us were sure, or we thought we were sure that he was going to come out and be like, Oh, you guys over blew this all. We mm-hmm. thought he we thought he would be coy or play dumb and say like, I don't know. You guys just have a mind of your own. He did the opposite. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, you know, vindicated those that said there was beef. And he basically said, yeah, I was away for three months thinking about whether or not these grievances <laughs> were uh, enough to make me retire or demand, absolutely demand a trade. And I think it just got their attention. Now, whether or not they effectuate his list of demands, we'll probably find out next offseason, maybe in dribblings this season. But yeah, it was incredibly telling. And uh, <laughs> kind of like when Mike says that, you know, they're friends, it made me admire the guy more so than I ever had before because uh, all the stuff he was saying, you know, if he was on your team, you'd be like, thank you for saying this. You know, it's like the cat's out of the bang. Yeah, well, we'll see how that plays out. That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be especially magnified now because if shit gets weird on the team, or they start out two and three somehow, then that's all we're going to hear about. And they've set it up this way. And Rogers was involved in that, making the turmoil something when it may not necessarily be that. But because there was three months of inactivity um, or just a simple indecision, now if things go just a little bit awry, we're going to be glued to the reactions of Lafour and reactions of Rogers, and uh, so yeah, they got they got what big is, expectations. What is uh, when did his Vikings play him? What oh uh, November and December. I don't know the weeks, but it's the second half of the season for sure. Yeah, I got the schedule right here. I got to put my <laughs> oh okay. The He's best on part. It. For- the best part for me about what Rogers had to say is uh, his subtle jab at Green Bay. It's a, uh, it's not a vacation town. No one's coming here um, to come here. They're coming here to play with me. Yeah, and yeah, that's I true. That. Though it is. Yeah, absolutely. They play him. They play him on the twenty first of uh, November at home, and then, like you said, January second in Green Bay. Mm. Seven, nice and cold. Week sixteen. Or no, I think that's, that's seventeen. That'll be 17. seventeen. Yeah. We had a little stretch where we went there in september and got it out of the way and when was that the last oh, this year no <laughs> last october last two years you're tripping two or three because the daniel carlson one too yeah mm-hmm. oh it god was... i'm sorry i blocked all that out it was traumatizing <laughs> never mind no it was the last it was uh i think it was the last three years where no. we no I last year they opened here Remember week one? Well, no, that was we still here. played them early. I'm talking about avoiding Green Bay. Oh, in the, in the winter. Yeah, yeah, that's been since 2017. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that first game, that's when they had the penalty in the end zone. That was that was bogus or the non-penalty or whatever the heck it was. You remember that? When the, the Dalvin Cook. The, the Dalvin Cook, they gave the, we had the touchdown to Diggs and then oh. they went and looked at the pass interference and somehow him running a that, drag you know, route is going to. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was BS, bad. man. I, yeah. I made a big deal of that. that was uh, yeah. I, I, I swear to God, when they had that year where they implemented reviews of penalties, that was the only time all season where I saw them go look at something and they're like, by the way, since we're already looking, here's a penalty that we saw unrelated. <laughs> 
Right. And then they gave the touchdown. And I swear that I never saw anything like that while they're like, well, while we're at it, we'll just go ahead and assess the offensive holding. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Ron, what else do you got uh, winding down with Mike Tyson tonight? Um, well, I guess now the transition away from NFL. Now, I mean, we got the, the man himself. Um, with college football, the landscape of that. Um, with you know, obviously Maryland joined the, the your alma mater joined the Big Ten years back. Uh, but now with everything that's going on, with what is it? Oklahoma and Texas wanting to leave the the Big Twelve, and then there's Kansas and Iowa State. I think all these other ones. Um, I don't know how in depth you follow college these days because I'm not one who really does. Uh, but either your opinion or Bryant, um, I don't know if ACC is affected. But uh, um, what do you think of the landscape of college football? What where it's heading um, with one the players now being able to get paid, um, and also just these guys just or these teams just wanted to leave uh, conferences and kind of, kind of join up super conferences. What are your thoughts on that? Brian, you got anything on that? No, because that's not my conference. Well, the, only, <laughs> the, only thing I, the only thing I would say, I love watching college football, but uh, until they have a playoff <laughs> similar to the uh, Final Four tournament, uh, it's it's going to be a bogus national champion, in my opinion. That is needed. They need to play the games. They need to play the games all the way out and uh, come up with come up with a true champion. That's my opinion, and I know a lot of friends that are not in the business that's their opinion as well. Do you see who's here? <laughs> hey, he's on. Oh my God! What are you doing? <laughs> All right, so for the, the listener, my favorite coach, my favorite Hi. coach. Hi, Mrs. McKinney. How are you? My favorite coach of all time. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Oh, you look so beautiful and young and beautiful. It's so good to see you. So for the for the those on audio only, uh, Brian McKinney's mom, Shelly's back talking to Mike Tice. <laughs> He is my favorite coach of all times. Oh, Shelly, oh, Shelly. Nobody used to call you and, and, and tell you to get in Brian a little bit. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yes, I do. Thought I was lying. See, you hate it from the heart of the horse. Shelly yourself. <laughs> so good to see you. You too. It's good to see you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. always surprises me. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a good boy. He raised a good boy. <laughs> Thank he's, you. He's done well for himself. I hope he's taking good care of you. Uh, well, we'll talk later. Oh, Brian, I'm going to whip your ass, Brian. <laughs> I, got me a, I got me a signed Dave Winfield bat. I'm going to hit you with it. You don't take care of your <laughs> Shelly, he didn't tell you who was on here? He didn't tell you Mike was on? No, he was like, get on the phone real quick. Here, dial real quick. Like, and this is why I look like I look, okay? <laughs> That's so good. Well, see how I look. I just had dinner. I had <laughs> He's got chicken skin in his teeth. <laughs> I did. Barbecue <laughs> some chicken. I was on. Well, so good to see you. You too. Take it easy, guys. All right. Take care. Bye. We'll good talk to you soon, That's great, man. That is so great. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Brian's always full of surprises. <laughs> he hasn't changed a bit. 
we were doing the show once, Mike, um, just ready to have a regular analysis show with our internal guests, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, Moeldy Moore showed up. So as the, ho- <laughs> as the host, I had to scramble to think of stuff to ask him. So, yeah, yeah, and his, his name didn't say Mo. It said Mo Moore on there. So at first I was kind of I'd never re- heard him referred to as Mo. So it was uh, took me by, by surprise because I'm like. He don't know who that of, is. He did a lot of nice things for us, and he, did, he made a lot of plays for us, Noel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing I got for you, Mike, I know you haven't delved too much into this season because I think you said you were going to do top offensive lines when you have some time, but who would you say is your preliminary Super Bowl matchup prediction? Oh, God, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready until I start looking at some film. That's okay. All right. I can't can't do that right now. I want to see, I want to see where all the moves are made. And I want to kind of look at some tape on some guy. I get, I get through this tournament on the 16th of August and I'll start looking at film again. All right. So now where where can we get, find your uh, breakdown when you do the top of lines in football? Where, uh, where would that be available? I have a little podcast called Odds and Ends. ends. Yeah. And we just do, you know, talk about horse racing, talk about football. Uh, I do it for my friends. We have a lot of fun, uh, you know, and uh, I pick some games for them because they all, my New York buddies all like to bet on the games a little bit. So <laughs> I, t- I try to help out their wallets a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's, that's all we got. Uh, Coach Tice, we appreciate you joining. Um, would you mind Thank coming you very back much for joining maybe, us. maybe next, in the next seven, eight, nine months sometime and talk with us when the season's going on? Absolutely. Just give me a heads up and uh, I'll be glad to come on. It was a lot of fun. All okay, right. thanks a lot. Right. Appreciate, appreciate it, it Coach. Right. Yeah. Thank All you, right. Mike. So nice to meet right. you. My pleasure. Thank you. You need to get a new idol. <laughs> no, never. Oh. Never. You're the best. You're K-Fan. Your K found sound bites, uh, Common Man still plays them like every day, and I I still laugh at them. One day I say, calm down, calm down, calm yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. All right, calm down. That's what I said to Kevin Williams. That's yeah. what they yeah. said to me. They were yeah. bored, calm down, we had, calm. we had Kevin Williams on a couple of weeks ago about that, um, and just you know, with him being inducted in the Ring of Honor. So yeah, like I, like we told him, it's obviously. Uh, Kudos to him for hit the career he had, but obviously kudos to you for uh, um, even though whatever happened with moving back the two spots, we don't know, we don't need to know. But uh, hey, we ended up with uh, with probably the best of the bunch in that draft, so we'll take it. Yeah, it, was yeah. all, it was all about the same thing we talked about earlier. It was all about saving money. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Later. Have okay, yeah, all right, have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. Well, that's that's all we got for the show this evening. We'll be back next week fully embroiled in training camp and have more analysis stuff. Full Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.